Who are you afraid of failing in front of? Confidence has definitely held me back over the years. And this question really put it into perspective of, well, why am I afraid of failing? It's, and it's usually to do with someone else's perspective. And when you ask that question, you can really break it down and think, actually, do you know what? I'm not afraid of failing in front of anyone, so let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. What's up, everyone? Alex here from SaaStock. We're officially less than one week away from being in Dublin for what is Europe's most impactful SaaS festival. Although, if you're biased like me, then it very well may be the world's best. But seriously, we're back. It's another year. Another week in Dublin, founder investor matchmaking, peer-to-peer networking, bootstrap founders coming together, world-class pitch competition for some of the best rising SaaS startups, much, much more, lots of parties, night stop, pub crawls, uh, dinners, everything, you name it, SaaS has got it. The SaaS universe is descending on Dublin. You've got to be there and you've got to experience it uh, and come to Ireland as well. It's uh, uh, such a great country, welcoming country. If you don't already have your ticket, Use code SASREV, S-A-A-S-R-E-V, to redeem your exclusive 20% discount. See you in Dublin for some unbeatable Irish crack. Okay, uh, welcome to the SAS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Thuma. Delighted to be joined today by Johnny White, who is the CEO and founder of Ticket Taylor. Welcome, Johnny. Hey, Alex. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, great to have you on the podcast. Uh, uh, finally, I think we, we've... Uh, been speaking for a few years. We've been coming to a, a few SaaS docs, and uh, we've finally got you on the podcast uh, to to share your story. So delighted about that. Uh, looks a little bit where it's a, an Indian summer here in the UK. So like, like I mentioned before we started recording, I'm a little bit sweaty in the podcast studio. It looks cooler and more more zen where you are. Especially, I think the picture is giving off uh, sort of like cooler <laughs> yeah. vibes uh, behind you. Hopefully, that'll cool you down just by uh, just by looking at the picture. Fingers crossed. Where is the uh, where where is the picture? Is it a real one or is it a painting? Painting, and it's in New Zealand uh, on the South Island. And um, yeah, we're on holiday there and saw this. Uh, yeah, saw this picture and absolutely loved it. Which is a rare thing for us to do, but um, you know, <laughs> sometimes you see a picture on holiday and uh, you just you just love it. So very cool. Well, I, I've like never been to New Zealand. Uh, I know. I think you've got young kids. I've got young kids as well always kind of uh, felt that maybe it's a little bit too far to travel with the young ones, but more with the, the, the jet lag side of things. So was this a pre-kids uh, trip? Yeah, this was a pre-kids thing, but I did go over to Australia with the kids, actually. Uh, we have family in Australia, so went over to Australia uh, earlier this year with the kids. And um, yeah, I can tell you it is a real challenge <laughs> trying to get any kind of sleep, um, especially when you have like a one-year-old with you uh, on the plane. I can imagine. All right, good stuff. Well, well Johnny, uh, we always start the show. We you know get to know the guests a little bit better. Um, so let's start off with who is Johnny White? Yeah, so I'm as you just mentioned, I'm a father of two, and I'm also founder and CEO of a company called Ticket Taylor. Um, Ticket Taylor is a, an events ticketing platform that helps event organizers sell tickets online. And I started it back in 2011. Um, we've always been bootstrapped uh, straight from the off. And it's been a pretty exciting journey, actually, uh, from like day one, you know, being quite young, naive, uh, not really, uh, not not that business savvy. And I'm a software engineer background. 
um, and really started off as a, as a, as a, as a sideshow. And then, you know, along that journey, sold it two years in um, to Time Out, uh, which is really exciting. Got to work there for a couple of years and then bought it back from Time Out uh, and then grew the company, built out a team, built out a team and then to, to where we are here today, which is uh, we're a team of about 25 people. Um, we're about five, six million ARR and we're doing about a million tickets uh, a month through the platform. And actually uh, just found out uh, earlier this week that um, we've been listed in the Fast Growth 50 list, which is the fastest growing uh, companies in London. Um, so we just made that list this year, which is really exciting as well. So um, it's, been a, it's been a long journey of, of steady growth. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's been some really interesting things along the way. So hopefully I can share some of those things today. No, definitely. Love, love to dig into that. So I, I guess um, a, a couple of interesting things to, to kind of pick out there. So first of all, decision to bootstrap. You've always bootstrapped. Um, why did you decide to do that? Did you, have you ever thought about taking venture uh, money or even have had like some conversations around that? Because I, I guess probably now you, you're becoming you know, pretty interesting for, uh, for some VCs. But like, why, why the initial decision? And talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so initially it wasn't a decision. It was just complete naivety that I didn't even think, you know, I was a software engineer and I was thinking, oh, I could build some software that I can resell, you know, uh, what do I need money for? You know, it didn't even cross my mind that I'd need funding. Um, this was back in, yeah, 2010 when I was starting to build it before I actually launched. And, you know, it was when uh, I was on, I was around by Old Street and the tech scene was kicking off and um, I was going to meetups and pitching Ticket Taylor, you know, at these meetups. And someone asked a question saying, are you, um, are you bootstrapped? And I didn't even know what the word meant. And then they explained to me, it's like, oh, are you, are you like, are you, are you doing it? Are you not getting any funding? Um, and then I thought, why would I get funding? And then realized that's basically, you know, what everyone does. And then thought, okay, well, that's what I should do. You know, when I got to a certain revenue point, I thought I should go and get some funding. And I remember I made a pitch deck for, um, yeah, I made a pitch deck pitching for investment for 400,000 pounds, but not even knowing what I was going to spend it on. You know, as I said, like kind of very naive position of just doing something because that's what people were doing. Uh, and today kind of very grateful that we haven't taken funding because we've just got so much freedom now in terms of, in terms of what we do. Um, so yeah, so always been profitable all the way along and uh, did think I needed to do funding at one point because that's what every company does. Um, but uh, I guess we've chosen like a slower, slower path um, and, uh, and, 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 and have really enjoyed staying that way. So, so we're very actually, yeah, we were very much going to be bootstrapped. Uh, if, if we get funding, then, then we've, we've messed up somewhere and uh, <laughs> we need to, uh, we need to course correct. So yeah, that's the, that's, that's, that's the strategy. We'll, we'll see if we remember that if we read, you know, in a few years' time that you yeah, know you've exactly. taken on fifty million or something like that. Remember this podcast, but um, and I think there's nothing also wrong wrong with that. I, I know a lot of uh, people that have been, you know, bootstrapping their business for you know for many years, right? Um, and you know, eventually at some point they decided, you know, when they got to 20, 30 million ARR that they, they wanted to become a $100 million business and that, you know, they felt probably the best way to do that was then to take on some additional capital. But uh, again, you, you know, I think like goal, goals change and it, it's something that we will speak about in a, in a bit. But something also uh, sort of interesting was that you, you sold the business really early. I think at 2K MRR, um, uh, I think that's what you said, uh, to time out. So a big company comes in, um, buys you um you're at 2k mrr but then you bought it back like tell us a little bit of that story like you, you know why why did you sell like so early and and then you know how did you come to the decision to buying this back yeah uh i was 
when when I first launched it, my initial goal was to get to 2K MRR. Though. That, that was the mon- there's the amount in my head that meant that I could focus on this more. You know, people have that question of like, oh, when can I go full time on this? That was my full time point of 2K MRR. And I didn't really have a plan beyond that, to be honest. I, you know, thought I often think very much in the short term. And um, yeah, I didn't have a plan when I got to 2K MRR. And that was when I actually was started to think about, oh, maybe I need investment. Is that what, you know, and so kind of like wasting time on something that um, I didn't actually, you know, it wasn't something I was really into. Uh, and then got this email from Time Out and it came across initially as like, oh, we want to do ticketing. Um, you know, can we be a customer? And, you know, as one man band thinking this, you know, I'm going to go along with this, but uh, there's a high chance that this could be a waste of time for all of us because can we support a company that big? Um at this stage in the business. And then the more we got talking, the more it kind of transitioned into an acquisition type conversation, which was really cool. It was really exciting from my perspective, you know, to, um, uh, to, to, to be having these conversations. And yeah, the more initially, you know, I wasn't thinking, yeah, I want to sell. That would definitely, that wasn't my, um, yeah, that, that, that wasn't how I was feeling in, in the first first part of the process because this thing had just started getting going, uh, had a bit of momentum and I was quite excited about the future even though I didn't really know what to do next. Um, but the more we started talking, the more I realized actually there's, there's a really good opportunity here. Um, like one, I didn't have much experience of working with people. I came straight out of university, got into freelance web development and then launched this business. And so, uh, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the draws was I can get some experience here working with people. And then the other thing was like, well, um, yeah, thinking it's, it's at an early stage in the journey that I could, I could do one of these again. You know, I could go to timeout, get that experience under my belt and I can reset and restart and, and, and do, do, do another business. Um, so, so that was kind of, that was kind of the, the, the motivation. And then obviously, you know, being, uh, around that time, being a young person and also being in that environment of, um, TechCrunch talking about who's got funded, who's being acquired. There was an element of like, oh, this will be exciting. You know, this will uh, be good for, for, you know, my ego and my status. And, um, you know, on the day actually when it came to signing, uh, it was a very long process. It was a really exciting bit at the beginning of the negotiations and then like a very long drawn out legal process. And then on the day of signing, it was literally just me and a lawyer in a um, West End, uh, uh, yeah, lawyer's office and, sign it, sign the documents. And there's like no one to celebrate with because, you know, it's uh, kind of just me. And yeah, and it was a massive anticlimax at that point. There wasn't any PR announcement or anything like that. And so that part of it was like, I'm glad I didn't do it only for that reason. Because if that was the reason, then I would have been very, very disappointed um, at the uh, at the kind of like, yeah, what I thought would happen, but actually what the reality was, you know. I guess no looking back now. So probably one of the best decisions you, you've made to in, in terms of buying it back, would you say? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was, it was so lucky to be able to do that. You know, I think to have that opportunity to be able to buy it back at the end. So after, after two years of working there, um, or a year and a half, it was, uh, I, yeah, I realized kind of like I'd done my time. The integration wasn't going to happen. The ticket tailor integration wasn't going to happen at timeout as what was planned. And, um, I handed my notice and, um, yeah, uh, they are anxious about the fact they've got this business and they don't, I, I want to leave as quickly as possible, but they don't want to cut my notice period short because of, um, because of, uh, the fact they've got this business and they don't know what to do with it. So that gives me the idea of like, oh, well, you know, let's make an offer here to 
buy it back. And sure enough, they're like, yeah, this is great. You know, we can just um, make this happen. So that was brilliant. And it was, it was massive uh, luck and an absolutely like amazing decision because I could, it was, it was where it was when I sold it. It was a 2K MRR still. Uh, the business is in very much the same shape. And yeah, I was more experienced, um, had a bit of money from the sale uh, and, you know, had a whole like a reset, you know, two years of not being, not running a business. So nice to have that break. Uh, you know, you don't really get that opportunity. Um, so I could come into it with a real fresh head and, um, and then start to think about, okay, well, what is the next chapter of, of Ticket Taylor? Maybe... Um... I mean, we could probably spend a lot of time on this, but from a, a couple of like quick key lessons that you've implemented. So when you, you, you bought it back, uh, and so this would have been, well, let me do the math here. Was it 2014, something yeah, like that? 2014, yeah, 2014, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you bought it back and, and now it's so 2023, you're at 5 million in revenue, uh, ARR. So you're going from 2K MRR to now 5 million. What are some of the things... Um, like that you've done to kind of help you get there? Well, one of the things is obviously kind of compound growth, you know, so just like it's a long time and the market has grown a lot. So that, yeah, it would have been hard to turn that around in in like less time. Obviously, other companies have done that sort of thing. So it's, it's definitely possible. So, but I think the things that, the terms of the things that um, that I've done, so, you know, one th so for a whole portion of that journey from that point to now was still me on my own, um, but working with other bootstrappers uh, in an office and we would share growth hacks and tips and so on. And so there was a bunch of things in those days which were kind of like move the needle in that realm, you know, from like 2K to 8K, you know, like and those sorts of things were things like um, integrations, you know, like we did an integration on the WordPress plugin directory. And that's the kind of thing that moved the needle at that point. Um, and then there came a point when I got stuck and I, no matter what I did, I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't, I didn't feel like I could move the needle. I felt like I'd reached my limit as a kind of individual. And so from there, uh, really that was the point at which it was about building out the team and then, uh, and then thinking about doing business in a really different way, um, investing in our brand, uh, investing in our team and investing in, um, yeah, in, in that scale side of things as well. Well, I think that's a good segue into that because, uh, you, you know, as you say now, look, 5 million ARR plus um, recently or, or even this week, you said just listed on the fast growth 50 uh, in London and you are a growth business and you, you've gone from being a lifestyle business to a growth business. So let's talk a, a little bit about um, why you decided to do that because uh, I'm sure we've got many listeners who are running lifestyle businesses and actually nothing wrong with that. And running a growth business, you, you know, is, it, it, it is a different thing and, you know, it comes with different sets of challenges and, uh, and so on. But yeah, I guess let's start with why did you make that decision to move from lifestyle to growth? Like, when, you, you know, when did, did a switch just kind of flick? Uh, you, you know, did you wake up one morning and it's like, okay, you know, I want to build out a team. I want to get to 10 million, 100 million or whatever. Yeah, it's a great question. And it was a long drawn out decision, actually. And, um, you know, back when I was, uh, running it as a lifestyle business. I love my life. I was, as I say, in the office with my mates who are other bootstrappers. I got a dog. The revenue was a decent place. You know, at one point I was like, I can do this forever. I could hit the pause button on 8K MRR and, you know, this would be great. I'm set. But, you know, a year goes by or so and 
I get stuck on things, as I mentioned earlier. And I remember redesigning the website three times over. You know, I'd done it once, I wasn't happy with it. Did it again, I wasn't happy with it. And it's just, yeah, what am I doing? And so at that point, a friend of mine who's a designer, he had quit his job. And I said, oh, come and... um, you know, come and help me redesign the website as a contractor. And he did. And he came in and he made loads of decisions, and did loads of great work. And I was like, this is amazing. You know, like I've gone from having to think through every little bit of detail to now loads of stuff happening and it being better than I could have done it. Uh, And so that was a kind of taster of what it could be like if I started to hire people. But obviously was scared about losing this freedom, losing this lifestyle where I didn't have the stakeholder of a team. My only stakeholder were the customers, you know, and it was like that was that was quite a uh, freeing position to be in. But, um, yeah, offered him a job uh, part-time as a designer and uh, and he accepted. And so that was the kind of the shift at that point. It was like, okay, well, now, now I'm hiring. Now, now, now I have, you know, the start of a team and I've got this new responsibility and I need to think about that as well as think about customers. Um, and it kind of created a bit of a mind shift at that point. Obviously, that was just one person at that point. But then we hired a head of tech and hired engineering. And we made these hires that were... Um, uh, so with the engineering, it's it's very... They're quite easy decisions in the sense that we knew we had loads of features we wanted to build. You know, it's low risk in the sense that... Uh, also also an area that I understand very well as right as... as understand very well so I knew what I wanted I knew what kind of people and I knew um yeah what I was looking for so so kind of the first you know uh two years of going from lifestyle to kind of transitioning into um you know a growth business was really thinking um was really in these kind of like uh dipping my toe in I suppose um and it wasn't until a point actually when um I started working with a coach and the coach did this exercise where he said, okay, where do you want to be in two years' time? And we did this thing where we stepped back, right? And I've had this vision of where I want to be in two years' time. And as I say, I'm quite a short-term thinker, so this was such a helpful exercise. And we stepped back and we stepped back and we stepped back and we stepped back. And then it was like, hang on a minute, I need to hire a lot more people. I need uh, all these other roles filling that I'd been quite anxious about hiring and actually had attempted but kind of got wrong because I didn't really know what I wanted and so on. And so that was the point when I was like, okay, we need to build out a leadership team um, and properly be more strategic and think more like a, um, a business than think like we're building software, um, you know, to fulfill customer demand, you know, to think about those other things. So, so there's a real point there of thinking, okay, we're a proper business now and um, we need to invest in the business as well as investing in, you know, what the customers want. Let's take a moment to talk about one of our partners this year, a company called Navan. You might have heard of them. They've rebranded from TripActions earlier this year. They're a travel and expense software scale-up prioritizing an excellent user experience. And for SaaS 2023, they are official travel partner. Their all-in-one travel corporate card and expense management app makes business travel easy. And their user-friendly platform gives users access to thousands of airlines, hotels, rail, and car rental services. Our SaaS Revolution Show listeners, that's you, are invited to try out the Navan platform and book your travel to Dublin for SaaS Talk, which you can do using the link in the podcast bio or your ticket confirmation email. Book your travel with Navan, check out the platform and visit them at booth G19 at SaaS 2023 in Dublin to learn more. Was it hard for you, maybe like some of the challenges are from being this solo founder with no people, no team to kind of manage to all of a sudden making your first hire, building out a leadership team, now a team of 20 plus, 
you, you know, has that been hard or, you know, often we hear from founders, you know, some of the hardest thing can be people managing people and um, yeah, just kind of interested from, from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It was really hard. Um, one of the hardest things I've done and, uh, but you know, it's gradual, it's happening over a number of years. So, um, and yeah, the things managing was really difficult. Um, and my experience working with people as I say was that two years of timeout, getting the coach was a real game changer. The coach could really help me, um, you know, do understand that, uh, understand, or yeah, figure out how to manage people and how to, how to get the most out of people, um, and absolutely transformed how I work. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say was that it was a really good point I had in my mind. Oh yeah, this is it. Um, when you're working on your own, uh, you're so instinctive. There's no communication. You don't need to think about values. You don't need to think about mission. You don't need to think about anything like that because it's all ingrained in your mind. You don't need to articulate it in words. It's just there. And so when you get out of bed every day, you know why you're doing it. You know what, what makes sense. You know how to prioritize. You know, all this stuff just happens. Uh, and the communication, you don't need to have a meeting to talk about anything and you don't need to have values to align on anything. And so that was a really important part of it was trying to decode which bits of my instinct was helpful uh, and like form the DNA of what made Ticket Taylor successful. So it's like trying to pull that out, trying to put it into words and then trying to uh, get that across to other people and then get people to buy into that as well. So spent a lot of time thinking about values, thinking about mission, thinking about purpose. And it's so, it's that, that has been so important. In particular as well, like getting that right before making those key hires as well, super important because uh, you know, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is business for good. And at that stage, it was mostly words, you know, we're doing some stuff around the idea of business for good, but it was so early on that actually it was mostly words. And what I needed to do was articulate that and get people to buy into it, um, and join it. You know, what I've, a, a kind of a previous version of me would have felt like I needed to have done all the stuff to, to, for people to join, to want to join. But actually people want to join because they want to do that stuff. They want to be part of it. So it's really important to be able to articulate that and kind of create the cell for it um, to, to, um, uh, to, to make key hires, which then, you know, and then all that stuff starts happening and then it's real. So um, it's that kind of like manifesting that business for good and what that could be to get that excitement going to hire those people. And can you give some examples of like how you would do that? So from, I guess, maybe whether it's, and uh, I'm, I'm just putting words out there, just examples, but from the company website to the job description, through the interview process to you, you have the team in place, how often are you talking about the purpose, the mission, the, the vision, the values, you know, what is the cadence there that, that, you know, gets people, keeps them going, you know, on the daily basis that do the mission, deliver the mission for Ticket Taylor. Yeah. So on those early hires, I think it was kind of, you know, something in the job ad, but then it was really about when meeting the people and then just like me letting loose and letting it all come out of my heart kind of thing. And I think people then relate to that. So that was what it was like in the early days. These days it's, um, we're, you know, we're much further along on it and, uh, it comes through across all of our stuff. So, um, you know, for every ticket we sell through the platform, we donate a penny to climate causes. So we talk about that loads on social media. We talk about it to our customers because they're the ones selling the tickets. So we can celebrate with them that they're, they're creating this. Um, and then every year we do this, um, we're, we're, uh, certified B Corp. And part of that you have to, um, I've just got one here actually. Um, a, uh, you have to create an impact report and this is a uh, a document doesn't have to be printed out this one is but we have it on pdf as well which kind of talks about all the stuff you're doing uh, bes uh all the stuff besides 
profit? Like what's, what's going on in the business? What's, what are you doing about planet? What are you doing about people? And, um, and we use this loads. We use this in interview processes. Um, we use it with customers and, um, it really, uh, helps us shine and stand out against, um, kind of the competition. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, obviously, great to hear that you, you know about uh, a couple of the key things there. You know, the decisions from moving from lifestyle to growth, how you've done it in building out the team and and prioritizing sort of purpose. Um, before we go into the sort of quickish fire round, like if you well, and, and again, I'm, I'm sure there are some founders out there, whether they're technical or not, that are running lifestyle businesses, but maybe are thinking about running a growth business. What would you say to them, like any advice or, or do's and don'ts uh, about maybe the way to, to go about that? Yeah, I think the, the mistakes that I've made are not being confident in what it is that I want and then wasting time with other people in terms of hiring. And uh, yeah, so times of, you know, trying to hire for a role and going through a long interview process with them and then and then changing my mind at the last minute, you know, things like that. That is my biggest regrets kind of thing is that is that kind of thing so i'd say definitely it would be about working with a coach or whoever maybe his mates as well like if you you know if you've got friends who are in in a similar uh similar kind of work to really understand what it is that you actually want to achieve and then that will help you um because that's the that's the thing that i didn't know i just you know it's the I guess it's that classic thing of like doing it because you feel like you should. And that's perhaps where I started doing it. It's like, you know, got to a certain point and felt like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be going to a growth business. But um, yeah. Was it, can, was it, uh, did you decide to get a coach and then the coach helped you decide to go that, to be a growth business? Or did you decide to be a growth business and got a coach and then helped you map out the plan? I'd say I got the coach first. Um, yeah, the got the coach around the time I was building out the engineer, engineering team without, you know, without strategically thinking, I want to get to a certain point. It was more like, oh, we've got a team because it made sense to, um, to hire engineers to help us get to a certain point. But it wasn't till, yeah, then it was getting the coach. And then the coach was like, yeah, really helping me understand where I was going. You know, why am I doing it? What am I, what, what's, what's it all for? And how often do you meet with the coach? Is it like every two weeks, every month? Um, so at the moment, I'm not actually working with the coach, but during okay. this period, I was meeting twice a month, doing uh, two hours every two weeks. And that was the right kind of rhythm for me. And then actually had the same coach uh, work with everyone in the leadership team. So when, when I hired, these, hired, uh, hired out the leadership team, then we all worked with the same coach, actually, which, which was brilliant for alignment. People could have used other coaches if they wanted to, um, but, um, but it turned out everyone, everyone wanted to use the same one. So that was, that was pretty cool. Very cool. All right, we're going to move on to the quickish fire round now, Johnny. Um, so what one thing has moved the needle the most for you in your career? <laughs> well, we've just been talking about it. I, mean, I have to say getting a coach or, or even like working with other bootstrappers, you know, having those other people around to question you and to, to help, help you see it from a different perspective. Yeah, no, definitely extol the, va the values of having a coach, but also support network of uh, not only peers, but uh, in general, a support network of people that can help uh, progress you. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Um, it's just this question, actually, is uh, who are you afraid of failing in front of? Uh, confidence has definitely held me back over the years. And this question really put it into perspective of, well, why, why, why am I afraid of failing? It's, and it's usually to do with someone else's perspective and when you ask that question you can really break it down and think actually do you know what i'm not afraid of failing in front of anyone so let's do this you know so that was that was a really 
good question for me that really helped me uh, build out confidence. Uh, what's the biggest failure you've made and lesson learned? Yeah, I'd have to go back to those um, kind of hiring mistakes in the process of um, not strategically building out the team of where, um, you know, gone through a yeah, hiring process and um, let someone down, wasted their time, um, or even worse, hired and then it not work out throughout the probation period. That has been the biggest, uh, biggest failure. Um, and the lesson learned is to, is to, is to, figure out what, what I want better, like spend more time doing it up front and, um, and not, you know, not letting someone else carry the expense of that. Very good. Uh, hiring mistakes were very common. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, can, can, I don't know, really say eat at you, but you know, impact the growth of the business, but you kind of learn from these things or ho- hopefully you do and you don't keep making the same uh, mistakes. Um, hardest thing about bootstrapping. Yeah. So at this stage of our business, the hardest thing is keeping a lean mindset. We're doing very well and we, but you know, we don't want to, uh, yeah, shoot ourselves in the foot or get complacent or anything. We want to stay lean. We want to keep really efficient and we want to stay a small team. We, we, we're capped at 25 people is like, our like, you know, we don't want to get bigger than that. So it's constantly keeping this mindset of just because we can you know, buy a tool to do something, do we need to do it, for example, or just because we can hire someone to solve this problem, should we hire that person? Can we solve it in another way? Can we automate it? Can we, can we ignore it? You know, uh, really keeping that lean mindset that you just get by, you have to do it when you're starting out. You've got no money and you've got very little time. And as you get more options, it's harder to keep that mindset. Um, but preserving that is something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. Very cool. Um, you are uh, coming back to Sastock in Dublin yes. next month. Very it's exciting. 16th to the 18th of October. Speaking for the first time, um, which I'm excited about. Uh, I'm sure you are as uh, uh, as well. On the bootstrap stage. So we we last year we introduced the bootstrap stage. We've got a bootstrap stage. It's coming back by popular demand. Uh, you'll be speaking. Tell us a little bit about what you'll be uh, uh, talking about. Yeah, I'm so excited about this. Um, I'm doing a talk. It's called The Power of Purpose, Unlock New Growth, Discover Your Why, and Build a Company to Be Proud Of. So it's about setting our ambitions uh, even further than revenue. So I think what I, wanna, what I really want to share from the Ticket Taylor story is how, you know, we are a growing business. We are doing well from a revenue perspective, but we're also integrating purpose into the business, into every way we can. And it just changes the game really and I really want to tell that story and I really want to um, yeah give people ideas and inspiration about how they might be able to think about how purpose can fit into their business and their organization uh, to see if they can benefit from, uh, from, 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 from the things that we're seeing. Awesome well lo- looking forward to seeing you in person in Dublin and, uh, and watching your talk uh, as well. Johnny uh, you've been a great guest on the show where can people find you online if they want to reach out also Ticket Taylor if they're, they're interested in what it does? Yeah, cool. So you can find Ticket Taylor at TicketTaylor.com. Uh, check it out, sign up for free and uh, give it a go for all your events. And you can find me online on LinkedIn. Just search for Johnny White and um, yeah, connect with me on there. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Really looking forward to Sastock and uh, learned so much from all the talks last year that uh, yeah, we're taking quite a few of the team out as well. So that, that's exciting. Good stuff. Yeah, looking forward to, to seeing that. Well, uh, thank you so much, Johnny White, CEO, founder of Ticket Taylor. Congrats on the great success, the growth, getting on the fast growth 50. Looking forward to, to seeing more. Have you back on the show when you're at 10 million uh, and, and we'll talk about what you did then. Um, but I'm sure it won't be long. All right. Cheers, Johnny. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Alex. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. 
And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.